Welcome back to another episode of the Hooper's Almanac. Round one is in the books and round two is currently ongoing and a few series are yet to start. So we're bringing back our friend and brother of the podcast, Evan Sell, to talk more round two NBA action. Lots of good stuff in this pod. Mitch is upset. We're going to talk him off a ledge after the Boston Celtics lose game one, but it's all good vibes anyways. Uh, Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. And before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. We are back at the Hooper's Almanac. Mitch is barely alive after the Celtics got manhandled in game one. Uh, Marcus Smart is badly injured, it appears. His leg, uh, quad bruise, shoulder stinger, sort of sort of what Chris Paul had toward last playoffs, which clearly is a, an injury that affects you greatly. Um, but he played through it, ended up coming off the floor a little bit early there toward the end. But the Celtics lose game one at home pretty convincingly. Mitch, are you are you contemplating things uh, that are that are bad to yourself, or are you, are you still with oh, us God. here? It's so dark already. Uh, but yes, <laughs> um, but no. Uh, here, I was telling Evan, I predicted a game one loss because if you think back to the Nets series, what happened in that? We probably should have the Celtics should have probably lost game one, and then what did they come come back? They came back with adjustments in it. The other thing was they started adjustments in the second half by not playing Daniel Tice at all, which was such a smart idea in every way possible. The one, the two things we can look at, Rob Williams, when guarding uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, was, uh, Giannis went 0 for 5 whenever Rob Williams is guarding him tonight. I will take that every day of the week. So if we can keep that matchup going, that'd be awesome. Um, or just if the, the Bucks want to keep attacking that. My whole thought process is this. You talked about the Celtics getting manhandled. It was basically Marcus Smart got manhandled and just destroyed the entire night. Rob Williams got kicked in the nuts twice. Um, and then we had a bunch of different players just like not shoot well. I mean, Jalen Brown didn't shoot great at all. Jason Tatum wasn't at all himself. Um, and the role players for the Bucks, I mean, were incredible. Plus Drew Holiday was stellar in that first half. So you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But I, I'm not totally losing my mind yet. That's what I'll say, because everyone flipped out in, 29, in 2019 when the Celtics won game one and Paul Pierce crowned the Celtics the champions and then the Celtics went on to lose the next four. So I am not I have not lost my mind yet. Classic Paul Pierce take uh, just doesn't know what he's saying. Uh, well, that's good to know. I'm glad you're optimistic. Ever the optimist Mitchell Sell. Um, we'd love we'd love to hear that. I was a bit more concerned, to be quite frank. I mean, yes, Rob Williams actually played well against Giannis, albeit a very small sample size. I thought Al Horford actually played good defense. Um, but Giannis still had a great game. I mean, he didn't shoot poorly. He didn't shoot well, actually. Nine for 25 from the field. Took two threes, missed them both. Poor from the line, six for 11. But, I mean, he ended up with a triple-double. Still had a great game overall, was dominant in the paint. That was the thing for for me that was surprising is just how much uh, the Bucks dominated down low on both ends of the floor. I mean, you look at points in the paint, 34 to 20 in Milwaukee's favor out rebounded the Celtics by six points. Um, my biggest thing that I noticed was Jason Tatum's inability to score in the paint, relying a lot on three point shooting as the rest of the team was 53 point shots during this game. We talked about it last, uh, last series, Mitch and Evan, uh, with the bulls is the bucks are going to let you shoot threes. They're going to invite you to shoot three pointers. Now the Boston Celtics are a much better three point shooting team and they didn't shoot awesome today, 
but that's going to be something that they're just going to have to simply shoot better because the Bucks are going to leave them open. And they left a lot of points out there today. Totally agree. Well, Evan, I mean, I know also we have Evan Sell, my brother, on uh, just this episode as well. Evan, I mean, you were watching the game too. What were your takeaways from the game? I mean, initial takeaway um, is how physical the game was. You see people bumping. I mean, it's the playoffs, you know. Um, this isn't stuff that you'd see in the regular season. You'd see the, the, the referees crack down on this type of action a little bit more. But, yeah, you guys alluded to a little bit just, yeah, the physicality with Marcus Smart and, and, uh, and Williams, you know, getting kicked. Um, I think that's going to be a common theme. It felt like a game seven to me just watching it, um, just the intensity. And, yeah as a as a person rooting for the Celtics I was a little discouraged seeing that the the Bucks had such control over the game first of all because the game was in Boston Giannis did not shoot the ball very well I mean he still had a great game obviously triple double um but I don't think you can count on him missing that many that many shots close to the rim anymore um but then again I don't think you can count on Drew Holiday putting up you know 25 every game so there's definitely going to be give and take as the series goes. I don't think Jalen Brown will have another bad game like he did today. Um, yeah, it just felt like Celtics couldn't catch many breaks today. Bucks were were taking advantage of. I mean, when Giannis went out out of the off the floor in the late third quarter when he picked up his fourth foul, um, that was like the time for the Celtics to take over, and then they lost those minutes when Giannis was out. Uh, that was like the turning point in the game for me. Whenever they couldn't even. Um, get their offense going, couldn't come up with stops on defense when Giannis was off the floor. That's when I you know, knew things were, weren't looking good for the Celtics. All credit to the Bucks. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I totally agree with you. I mean, those minutes where Giannis is off the floor, the Celtics have to take advantage in every way possible. The thing was, the big trio that they had out there to start the game that they had throughout most of the game with Portis, Lopez, and Giannis – was crazy and like I didn't I did not expect it to work as well as it did against the Celtics team that has had such great offensive chemistry over the past like three months but it just was it was so disruptive to them and that's what I know you kind of alluded to earlier Aaron was the fact that Jason Tatum could get in the paint it's because they have three big guys that they can throw at him and so I think what they've started they started and I saw it like in that third quarter they started making that wall that you usually teams make for Giannis they were making that for Jason Tatum that he couldn't get in the paint and if he did they were going to swat everything that they that went in there so I don't know it's just it's going to need to resort to him not going all the way in there and maybe stop him hitting that pull up yep. that pull up game that he is so accustomed to doing. I think last series was just so easy for him to get in the lane that he just needs to reel back I mean, pull himself back into that game, that mid range game that he is so good at anyways. I would also like to see the Celtics run more stuff off ball. I talked about this on the last podcast with Andrew and Carl, when we we're talking about the potential heat matchup and the heat do so much off ball, the warriors, uh, obviously you're known for doing so much stuff off ball. The Celtics really don't do that. It's a lot of pick and roll action, a lot of ISO action, just ball moving around the perimeter, swinging it around. And that's what the Bucks want you to do um, is that they're more than comfortable letting you swing it around the outside and shooting threes. I mean, we talked about this when we were previewing the series, the Bucks allow more three point attempts to opponents than any other team in the league. And the Celtics should be able to capitalize that on, you know, on that, obviously, Shooters like Peyton Pritchard off the bench played awful today. Grant Williams didn't have an awesome game either. Um, you know, Jalen and Jason didn't shoot it well either. Um, obviously, Smart was hindered, so that affected him. Um, but 
I think it's it's really tough when you see Jason Tatum making so many great moves, getting past two or three defenders, and then all of a sudden he has one other defender to deal with, and it's a seven-foot Brooke Lopez. I mean, Lopez had three blocks today, probably great, and I know a lot of people like to hate on Brooke Lopez too, especially last year's playoffs, but he's really valuable, and I think him having him back for Milwaukee is huge. As you said, I mean, when you have three seven-footers in one lineup, it's pretty tough to score in the paint, uh, and, and that's what they're going to try to you know make the Celtics do is make shots. Absolutely. Totally agree. I mentioned mentioned the turning point, you know, being the whole uh, Celtics not being able to outscore the non-Giannis minutes, but also you talked about Peyton Pritchard. That fourth quarter at the start when he, I mean, I think he he went 0 for 4 to start off the fourth quarter from 3. From 3, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like, I, I love the I love the aggression, I love the confidence, but man, we gotta hit at least one or two of those. And that's the thing is the Celtics. I like the Celtics bench a lot more than I like uh, the Bucks bench. I, Mitch, Mitch and I have talked about this previously. The Bucks have lost so much depth in the past year. Uh, losing Bryn Forbes a couple years ago was, I think, a big miss for them. Uh, obviously, Pat Connaughton has grown into his role, and they replaced him with another shooter in Grayson Allen. But B.J. Tucker, a defender off the bench that they're missing right now, even he was actually even starting, so some of their – current starters are not coming off the bench anymore, but I, I personally think the Celtics have more depth and reliable depth. Pritchard didn't play well today. Williams will play better. Uh, but a guy for the bucks that I really like is Javon Carter. I mean, he was plus 25 plus minus today and he, he didn't score a lot of buckets. He was doing a lot of that defensively moving the ball, just being a great team player. Uh, so, I mean, he had a great game, but uh, I, I just think the, you know, the Celtics bench has got to step up. Jalen and Jason can't do everything, especially with that tough, front court of the bucks and you know it's just going to require better better shooting day and the celtics aren't going to shoot this poorly again yeah and then it's going to come down to what can we get out of the Derek white minutes because my god if this man can stop turning the ball over three or four times it's 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 just giving me early marcus smart vibes already and it's it's hurting my brain a lot so i i like what he does just for our defense he misses some rotations and it just bothers me so much so whenever there's these rotations that he misses and it's these Grayson Allen wide open threes that we can't be having so I there's that and then he'll have two or three kick I mean balls he kicks when he's driving to the lane and it's just like dude what are we doing here so I don't know if we can get good minutes out of those and the Daniel the eight Daniel Tice minutes we'll get a game I mean that's just that's the difference maker there so we're I I don't expect Pritchard to have as bad of a game as he did today It, it was I said it off air, I think that he was super important in that, that series. The fact that he could go on runs by himself, which is mm-hmm. super important and just the three balls he can hit. Um, he has such a great chemistry with Jason Tatum. It's 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 hard to like leave him off the floor. But man, if we can get more minute great minute, better minutes out of Derek White and Daniel Tice, it just makes it so much easier for the Celtics. I agree. Uh it was a tough game one at home. You never want to start that way. Uh actually Coach Bud, since he's been in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and at other stops, has had a bad uh, round game one record uh, besides winning the Bulls series this past time in a matchup that the Bucks were completely advantaged in. He struggled overall. Um, so it was kind of surprising to see the Bucks come out like that and the Celtics come out the other way. I know Mitch, you mentioned the Celtics played poorly in game one against the Nets, even though they ended up pulling that out last minute. Um, but does this game, does the outcome of this game change your all's confidence in the Celtics moving forward? Do we still think the Celtics win this series obviously now home court has been taken out of their hands at the moment chris middleton is still not going to return this series from what we know uh what do you all think about this series moving forward um i still have a lot of confidence in the celtics 
you know, Mitchell talked about the adjustments that they're likely going to make. Let's get Marcus Smart a couple days rest. They don't play till they play Tuesday, right? Play Tuesday. And then they play Saturday. That's the huge break that they have. Um, get him healthy. Let's try to, you know, protect home court is probably going to be their, um, their goal and just head to Milwaukee 1-1 and then make it a five-game series. Um, I feel confident. I think, yeah, I think the Celtics should be okay. I mean, they just – they got to figure out some defensive rotations better. Um, and, yeah, I don't think you can count on Giannis missing so many shots in close anymore. But um, I think game two they come out hot, uh, ready to go for sure. Yeah, I am still sticking with my uh, seven games, like Celtics and seven. Um, we'll split here, split Milwaukee, and it'll be winners at home from here on after that, I feel like. So I am – I'm not terrified. I'm still, and I'm not. I'm not. I, I'm not worried about it at all. Game two, they come back. The only thing I'd be worried about is if any of these injuries, whether it's Jalen Brown's hamstring, Marcus Smart's myriad of different things, um, or Rob Williams getting drilled in the nuts once again. It's just, it's, it's just not what I'm here for. Or Rob Williams somehow hurting his knee. I'm just not gonna be a happy man if that happens. There was yeah. many times where he looked hurt, Rob Williams, after you know going up for a rebound or just jumping, you know defending Giannis I was like oh he yeah he hurt his knee again uh, yeah every time <clears throat> it reminds me of watching young Russ just every time he explodes at the rim or something like that you're like there's no way he comes down healthy that's the feeling that we have with jaw a lot of times too but he continuously gets up uh obviously Williams are still sort of restricting him a bit only played 22 minutes today um more than, you know, double digit fewer minutes than any other starter on the Celtics, including Marcus Smart, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy. Uh, so, I mean, they're going to need more out of him going forward, definitely against this big lineup, especially if he's been able to guard Giannis in the perimeter. But yeah, I completely agree. I'm still on the Celtics. I have Celtics in seven. Uh, I had Bucks pre, uh, pre-playoffs. Obviously, that was before the Chris Middleton news. I figured that the Celtics would have a tougher series against the Nets and they... Right took care of business fairly easily and had that rest going into this, which I think is going to prove huge, even though they're now still dealing with injuries. <laughs> uh, but I, I still like the Celtics in seven. I think it goes the full distance here. The Bucks really impressed me today. I thought they would miss Chris Middleton a whole lot more, but I think we see more of that in tight game situations when they're trying to figure out how to create shots um, and even how good Giannis is. Giannis is. It's, it's tough uh, to lack that perimeter ball handling and scoring uh without without Chris Middleton out there. So I still like the Celtics in seven. Awesome. Just as long as we all see on the Celtics. I mean, that, that's just, just all the, the big three riding, riding together uh, yes. in this situation. Um, so we hit on this. We hit on the game that's already happened in the Eastern Conference, but why not go with the uh, other Eastern Conference matchup? The Sixers versus the Heat um, came out earlier this past, I mean, last late last week that uh, Joel Embiid will be met missing at least games one and two of this series due to an orbital fracture and a mild concussion. Um, so uh, that'll be a big loss for the Sixers. I mean, to say the least. Um, so, I mean, Evan, when you look at this series, what kind of, what will make the difference for the Sixers? What, like, what do you, what are they going to need to do to even try to steal one in Miami? Yeah. I mean, going into the series thinking Joel was healthy, I had the the Heat going six against the Sixers. Um, now with Joel out, I don't I don't know. I mean, I think the Heat obviously uh, sweep their home court games. I think they go to Philly up 2-0. Um, my question is, where do these Joel minutes go? Do the Sixers mm-hmm. go small 
Are we giving DeAndre Jordan 20 minutes? What's the plan here? <laughs> this is I really don't know. Andre Drummond right here. This is when those Paul Reed. Right, exactly. Paul, I don't, Paul, yeah, I don't. Paul Reed played okay against Toronto. I mean, I mm-hmm. think they go small inevitably. And who's there for? Tobias? Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's really tough when you're going up against Bam Adebayo. <laughs> I mean, he's right. going to, Tobias is not going to have score at all <laughs> uh, if Bam's sticking him. Uh, so, yeah. I, I think, th- yeah, I think the, the Heat are going to out bully the Sixers, especially in Miami. The James Harden's going to have a nightmare trying to score, yeah. especially without Joel. I mean, he has no outlet. I mean, Tyrese Maxey will be able to release some pressure, but. If Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler are healthy and they're guarding like they like they did Trey Young, I don't I don't love the James Harden's chances for success and and putting the team on his back these first two games and and ultimately that'll lead to the to the Heat taking over the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean you hit it correct. I think it's a great comparison between last series of how the Heat guarded Trey Young versus what James Harden is going to experience for at least these first two games when Joel's out. Once Joel's back in. Uh, which he, I project him to come back in the series. I mean, he was talking about it post game, like, Hey, it's the playoffs. Like it is what it is. It seems like the medical staff is more so saying, all right, we got to make, let you sit for at least two games. Uh, I could totally see him coming out with that mask on game one, if he had it his way, uh, which I would be all about. But um, I, yeah, I think James Harden's going to have a tough time. These first two games, it really is going to come down. Can he draw fouls? and how the refs call it because Miami's a super physical team. They're in the bottom five in the NBA in terms of fouls per game. Uh, We saw that against Atlanta a little bit. They struggled and just let up some free points at the line. That was basically the only time Trey was successful uh, in that series. And so I think that's really the only way uh, James Harden's going to be able to score here. Uh, I think this might be a big Tyrese Maxey couple of games. I could see him dropping 25 in games one and two. Cause he's just so quick. I think he's the one of the only guys athletically who can contend with this heat defense. Um, so I think it's going to be a few couple, a uh, few good games from Tyrese Maxey that they're really going to need, but I agree. I think he'd go up to, Oh, and their offense, they're not going to have any issues going against the Sixers defense. It is, there's nothing outside of Matisse Thibault that is impressive on the other side of the ball. Well, the other thing I was thinking about was the heat are so good just on team defense there there could be nights where that offense just doesn't move at all but honestly i'm like you said i'm not worried about this sixers team stifling them on defense at all like there is no worry especially with joel and beat out there is no person yet you're worried about attacking at the rim anymore i feel like you can be worried about deandre jordan all you want that's just a stupid thing to be worried about um so i think that this team the heat should i think they have it in five he'd have it in five here especially if and be i think Embiid will maybe can help him out in game four if he's back and playing. But if Embiid doesn't play at all, it's a sweep. That's just my whole thought process on it all. Yeah, I have the Heat in five or six. I think it depends on when Joel comes back. I think they win at least one Mm -hmm. with Joel. Maybe, you know, if Miami's going back 3-1 game five, that's that's tough. Uh, So I think think the Heat have this pretty much locked up. I liked them before – before the Joel injury, as you said too, Evan. So I, I don't see a path for the Sixers, honestly. I think the Raptors are a very great team, but there are so many flaws with them. Like they struggle to score the ball so much. And we saw that, especially with Van Vliet out, albeit, you know, Van Vliet has some lapses defensively that they were able to cover up with him out, but offensively they weren't able to do nearly as much. The Heat don't have those issues. They have so many shooters, best three-point shooting team in the NBA. Jimmy Butler, if he plays the way he did in round one, 
also going to be tough to stop. And Bam is going to play a lot better. He had a horrendous round one series offensively. I don't think he even averaged double digits uh, point scoring. So he's got to have a bigger series, especially once Joel comes back. I think you sir. Are are Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry healthy? Do we know? I haven't even literally about to literally was about to say that. So like PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero are all right now questionable for tomorrow. So this is what the Heat do. I've been watching this. I've been keeping a close eye on this. Every single game, there are like seven guys that are questionable for the Heat. That's just what they that's the way they do it. It's like this weird Miami Heat culture facade situation that they try to throw out in doubt. Now Butler missed game five. Uh, but from what I've seen, he's going to play. Uh, I don't know about Tyler Harrell. He he's played sick. in game five. He's sick. So that's what they're saying right now. So okay. Lowry's out, though. I know that. Yeah, Lowry's out. Hero is expected. And so is Jimmy Butler, it looks like. Both he- Butler and Hero are expected to play. Yeah, then Tucker has some calf thing. I don't know whatever that's supposed to mean to me. He's been struggling with that, it seems like, the whole because th- he's questionable every game and he powers through and seems fine during the game. I mean, He's just a warrior. So I think it's weird that the Heat do that. I haven't seen any other team do that during the playoffs. But uh, I think as long as Jimmy stays healthy, they shouldn't have anything to worry about. If Jimmy or Bam go down, plus Lowry, then you're, then you're worried if you're the Heat. But other than that, they should be okay. The other thing is the Heat also got Victor Oladipo to come back. I mean, burst of the come out of the uh, phone booth like he's Superman again, like he did in game five. I mean, if you have another game like that from Victor Oladipo, I mean, I mean, if you get that kind of production of Oladipo, you're you're riding high. You're not worried at all about that bench group at all. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I mean, he had a welcome back to the NBA type of performance. I mean, we were wondering if he was going to play all year. He played a few games down the stretch toward the end of the season. But he looked like the Victor Oladipo of old, honestly, which was super awesome to see. Now, the Hawks have an extremely porous defense. True. The Sixers aren't awesome, but they're better. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, he's he's not going to be asked to do nearly as much as he was in game five either. So we have to keep taking that into account. Probably going to play 20 minutes a game off the bench. But, I mean, if they can get anything from him close to what it was in game five, that's awesome. Because he's another ball and a shot creator. He's just a great ball handler. A lot of the guys that the Heat run off the bench and surround Jimmy Butler with are just shooters who move off ball. So it's really valuable to have that other ball handler. Gotcha. No, I totally agree with you. Well, what we're going to do is we are going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with some Western Conference talk, but this was our little Eastern Conference bit. We'll be back with some Western Conference. All right, we are back. We're going to talk some Western Conference. We're not actually going to talk about the game that's happening right now. Um, we're going to actually talk about the game that happens tomorrow, or as when this comes out, it'll be today. Uh, but we are recording here on Sunday, May 1st. Um, but tomorrow's game, the Suns versus the uh, Mavericks, game one is going to be happening. Um, Mavericks coming out of the uh, Jazz series after winning in six, and so did the Suns. Um, Evan, when we look at the series – when you look at a team, when you look at the Suns that might have an 85% Devin Booker, what are you like going into it thinking about these like first like few games in Phoenix? What are like your thoughts? What do you think is going to be like going on? What's happening? I have a, I have the utmost confidence in Phoenix's ability, especially at home. Um, I don't know what the pr- projections of the general consensus are for the series. I have Phoenix winning at five. I don't think it's going to be a particularly close series. Um, 
I think people are going to have the tendency to overrate the Mavericks performance against a, a really subpar jazz team with a miserable perimeter defense. Um, I think people are going to see Jalen Brunson's 40 point game or 30 point game and think, Oh, he's going to be able to do this against Cam Johnson or Chris Paul or Devin Booker. It's like, no, he's not. He just won't be able to with, with the wing defense that the Suns have, it's not going to happen. Um, I, the only thing that could change that, yeah, I think is the durability of Devin Booker. That's going to be the biggest factor in this series. I think Chris Paul has proven it, especially last series, his dependability, especially coming in the clutch, him and Aiden, the two-man game that they ran in game three where, where they just, I mean, they dominated, took over. I think it was like 19 straight points between the two of them. And then obviously the last game of that series, Chris Paul did not miss an entire or didn't miss an, a single shot. Um, so I think he's dependable. Yeah, it's going to come down to, to to Devin, and then also just their their role players and their performance. I mean, Jay Crowder had one of the worst playoff series I've seen from a starter. That I mean, <laughs> just just so bad. Cam Johnson played historically bad too for his standards. I don't think we're going to see that again from either of them, especially not uh, Cam Johnson. Um, I think Mikhail Bridges is gonna is gonna put the clamps on Luca. They're probably gonna try to switch off of him a lot, do a lot of pick and roll action. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I I think the Suns can can take this one handedly in five if if Devin stays healthy. Yeah, one one of the themes you talked about, Evan, was the uh, Cam Johnson. When you say historically, yeah, his three years of the league, a very historically bad series. <laughs> I mean, what a what a history he has in the league. Um, but. Jay Crowder has these moments when he just are wanting to bang your head through a wall. Um, he did it in Boston. He did it in, he's done it in Phoenix. He did it in Dallas. Um, the only place he did not do it. Oh, and he also did it in Miami. The only place he did not do it in and had some great success was Utah. Like he had these, like the series against the thunder where he decided to be 30 point guy every night against the thunder back like in 2017, 2018. So this is not like unnormal from Jane Crowder. He has these moments where he can't do anything on offense. What you do get out of him is still his defensive aggressiveness, and that's what you love to have him for. Um, but offensively, historically terrible, and I don't disagree with you. Um, but you're going to get that defense out of him, and he's such a switchable guy you can throw at Luca. So I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah. Aaron, when you think about the series, Evan has him in the Suns in five. Are you that bullish, or what are you thinking? I personally think the Mavs keep it you know, pressure him a bit. Uh, I think they'll win at least two games. I think it goes to six, maybe seven. I'm I'm really strong in the Mavs. I do agree with you, Evan, that, you know, there's a possibility that the Jazz have completely skewed how we view the Mavericks. But I think I was on the Mavericks pre-playoffs um, and just saw the Jazz as a great matchup for them. I think their defense in particular is one reason why I think they'll be competitive. Um, you know, there's not a great individual defender on Dallas like there is on Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the perfect storm when it comes to having a guy in Mikhail Bridges being able to lock up or at least stay with Luka Doncic here and there. Uh, but I think the Mavs team defense is really, really impressive. And I think it's going to cause some issues for their role guys. They still have a huge disadvantage when it comes to guarding DeAndre Ayton, just because the Mavs don't have a whole lot of size down low. Um, and Ayton has played fantastic so far in the playoffs. I mean, he was their second best player in that Pelican series. Uh, but I still think the Suns went out. Home court advantage is fantastic. Veteran leadership in Chris Paul, we've seen it in closeout games recently. He's been fantastic last playoffs in this past series against the Pelicans. 
Devin Booker being healthy will add another element to their team that we haven't seen so far in the playoffs. I think the Suns still win, but I think the Mavs do give them a run for their money. I think they actually probably win one of these first two games in Phoenix, and it'll really depend if Phoenix is able to come away, come home to game five, at least tied 2-2. Then I think Phoenix probably steps on the gas and, and takes control of the series as they did in round one. So I am going to side with Evan on this. I think it goes, I think it's 4-1. However, I think four of the five games are all close. I think there is one Phoenix game where they just blow them out. And I think that's probably like game five or game two where the Phoenix just comes in and they just stomp on the Mavs. Um, I feel like the Mavs will maybe take one at home, but, and that'll all be, but they'll all be close games. The difference in those games is Aaron and I have already talked about it so many times during this year, this clutch stats for the Phoenix Suns in just these close games. I don't, distrust the Suns team at all they lost one clutch game against the Pelicans um and it was one of those games where Jose Alvarado was doing stupid shit the entire time so I mean stupid good shit though um the thing is you're gonna have one of those games where Luka Doncic does ridiculous things out of a game and I'd expect that in a game in Dallas um and it's gonna be shots over Mikhail Bridges and it's gonna be nuts um so I think every game is close except for one and it's one against in Phoenix and they're gonna blow them out so I think the Suns have it in five now. Um, I was the the only the only thing that pauses me at all is if Luca has one of these all time. I'm going to carry the Mavericks moments and do it against one of the better the best teams in the league kind of things. And we've seen it happen in history. I've talked about it before, um, but that's the only thing that I could see like getting the Mavericks to this next round at all, or even putting up a fight in this round. Here's the thing with Luca and Mikhail Bridges is arguably the best defensive player in the NBA. He's top three. I think he was runner-up for defensive player of the year this year. Correct. Um, Luka Doncic has proven to do it against really good defenders. And I know the Jazz are not that. Right. But you look back to his previous two playoff performances, he's going up against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and a lot of other good scrappy defenders on the Clippers in between. Uh, Patrick Beverly, keep going on the list. Um, Marcus Morris. Yep, Marquise Morris. I mean, there are just a lot of tough guys (laughs) on that team that are just going to get physical with you. And Mikhail Bridges is definitely that. Jay Crowder is definitely that. Um, But Doncic in both those series has won at least two games. Won two the first time, won three games in a series they probably should have won. They were up against the Clippers last year. So I think based on that, the team around him has also gotten better. Um, It's different. They're not as focused on center play uh, and they're more versatile. They run that small ball lineup, which they did against the jazz late in that Mm -hmm. game with Dorian Finney Smith at the five that I think actually really works. Um, I think it'll be an interesting play with how the Suns decide to keep Deandre Ayton and use him uh, especially in those switches on Luca. So I don't know. I have faith that Luca wins at least two of these games. I agree. The Suns take it, but based on past performance of him, he clearly took a step this year in the playoffs, getting past round one, finally, and he's been able to perform against a great defensive team in the Clippers who were the title favorites, at least in one of those two playoffs. Um, so I, I think they win at least two and they make it almost every game close. Yeah. I think Luca's going to have a great series. Yeah. To your point, Aaron, like the past two times that he's played the Clippers in the first round. Yeah. I mean, we've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on the perimeter defending him. So He's, he's proven to do it against the best defenders on the on the biggest stage. So I have no doubt that he he's going to average 32, you know, this series. Um, but I think the the support cast from the Suns is ultimately going to be what, what does the Mavericks in. 
And that's fair because especially when you talk about Jalen Brunson, I mean, he had such a great series uh, against Utah and we've seen the strides that he makes, especially with his footwork in the paint, like pivoting reverse jab, like insane, yeah. just putting Rudy Gobert in a spin cycle down low. Uh, I think Deandre Eaton is a really good defender. I mean, I wouldn't put him in Rudy Gobert territory. I think he's actually a little bit more mobile, but he's very susceptible to shot fakes as well. Yep. Uh, so I think DeAndre Eaton's got to have a great series and it's got to be really disciplined on staying on the floor. And I would be surprised if Monty Williams lets him switch on to Luca at all. I think Mikhail's got to be fighting over every single screen or Jay, whoever's guarding Luca on ball. They can't switch anything unless it's another good defender. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of creative <clears throat> defensive schemes here from the Suns just to try to to, to mess with Luca a little bit, similar to how a, a – uh, you know, like a Bill Belichick defense will try to throw new things at a Peyton Manning or something like that in a playoff game. Yeah, the other thing they, is, is how many right. doubles that Phoenix might even try to throw at uh, Luka too, because that's mm-hmm. what that's like the one thing Utah had success in was whenever like they tried to double Luka, uh, the amount of like misplaced passes were were to like the his, his guys on the wings. I think that's one thing that, especially with the length and the defensive talent that's on that Phoenix Suns team, I think that could cause a lot of issues too. Um, we've seen that the double work a lot for some teams, but you never know. It is Luka Doncic who is one of the better passes in the NBA and who, and he also might have, he was definitely hurt in those last like two games. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah. I think it's going to be a really interesting series. I think the Suns were almost left, left for, left for not in that first series, like they yeah. instantly were no longer the favorites after like being tied with the Pelicans team that was extremely underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really excited to watch them next year. I think they're going to be a playoff team, especially with Zion in there. I mean, throwing Zion for Valanchunas here and there and you play him at the five. I think that could work really well. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it with both of them on the floor at the same time, but uh, I really think the Pelicans are a strong team and, especially since they were missing Booker. The fact that the Suns were still able to win that game in six is pretty impressive to me, especially based on how you said, Evan, the role, role guys played for the Suns in Crowder and Johnson. They're not going to shoot that poorly again. Yeah, totally agree. Well, we have that game. And then we have the other series, which right now we are seven and a, uh, eight minutes left in the game. That's 103-97 Warriors. Um, and – Honestly, this game has been a lot of fun. Draymond Green got kicked out in the first half, uh, ejected in the first half for pulling down the Brandon Clark uh, jersey. Um, John Morant, four three-pointers in this game. Right. It's been something ridiculous. But the basically, the Warriors are just tempting John Morant to shoot this entire game, and they've been talking about it all series. I mean, all, all games so far. I mean, Aaron, when you look at this series, when you're looking at this Warriors-Grizzlies matchup, what kind of – what pros do you see going for the Warriors in this series? I think it's a lot. Um, I mean, I think there are some advantages that the Grizzlies have, but just to start on the Warriors side of the ball, um, I think it just shooting on its own. I mean, you mentioned it today, Evan, John Morant shot it great. He shot nine threes, which I think is like triple the number he shot it all in a single game against Minnesota. Um, they're going to they're gonna try to make Memphis shoot threes, and it's something they don't do very well at all or frequently. Um, I mean, Memphis is a very average three-point shooting team. Golden State, on the other hand, obviously we know the splash trio now with Jordan Poole stepping up, um, and they're so reliant on the three as well. 
I think they take the second most threes in the NBA. Memphis has the third fewest threes in the NBA. We saw a very similar statistical split in that Bucks versus Bulls series, and we saw how the Bucks were able to take advantage of that mathematical discrepancy. I just think it's going to be tough if the Warriors are hitting their shots for Memphis to keep up. I don't think Memphis is super talented defensively. They have a ton of grit, and Jaron Jackson's a really good defender. I think Dylan Brooks is good as well, but they didn't really guard anybody in that Minnesota series, and I think it's going to be tough once the Warriors really get comfortable to guard them as well. Uh, we're seeing it. They might take game one on the road. I mean, that's a great start for them. So I think shooting specifically is a huge advantage for the Warriors, and that comes without saying, but also veteran leadership. I mean, we saw how young the Memphis Grizzlies were in round one as well. They got lucky in the fact that they were going up against an even younger and even more immature team in Minnesota. Right. You're not getting that in this series. Uh, so I think huge advantage for the Warriors, and I have them in five. Uh, what about you? What do you? What do you? What are some pros do you think for the Warriors? Yeah, I mean, I, I echo everything that Aaron just said. Um, I think last series with the with the Grizzlies, we really saw their youth come out, especially in crunch time moments. We talked we talked off air about just some of the the boneheaded decisions that that you'll see from John Moran or Jared Jackson, um, and that's the stuff that's going to lose you lose you plenty of games against this veteran Warriors team. I mean, you can't you can't have many errors at all if you even want to stay close with them. Um, they can so easily shift momentum, create their own momentum just by a Jordan pool, pull up 30 footer. I mean, they, they get so much momentum just from something small like that. Um, so yeah, I echo everything Aaron said. And I think um, the only, the only chance that Grizzlies have of staying in this series is, is their aggression on the boards. You saw that against the Timberwolves with their offensive rebounding numbers, especially late game, how that really saved them getting extra possessions, getting extra shots. I mean, Brandon Clark was huge. Um, he's going to need to be huge for them again this series if they need a chance, if they want a chance. And their three-point shooting's going to have to be up to par with the Warriors. Um, but I'm with Aaron. I've actually also got the Warriors in five. So I'm going to hit the Grizzlies side of it now. So the thing about the Grizzlies is – we talked about their height and their rebounding that you talked about it there, Evan. That's like the one thing that the Warriors like kind of struggled in, even in that Nuggets series, but the Nuggets and the Nuggets had uh, Jokic, who's one of the best rebounders in the league. And then DeMarcus Cousins, who has been one of the best backup bigs we've seen. If he's not getting thrown out of games, he's huge with that. So the thing about this Grizzlies team is that they need to have that kind of rebounding show up. Steven Adams is not playing in game one. They're getting good. They're getting good minutes out of Xavier Tillman. Jaron Jackson is actually playing in the paint today. I mean, instead of just taking seven threes in this game, he, he is still shooting his threes, but it's not, it's not just, he's still trying to dominate in the paint. It helps that Draymond Green was taken out in that first half. Um, but even still, I mean, this, this, the one pro I have for this Grizzlies team is if they can keep out rebounding teams. That's what, like Evan said, that's what helped him in the Timberwolves series. I think that's what can help them here. And that might be able to be enough to steal one or two games in this series um, alone. The other thing I like about this Grizzlies team, and it also is a pro for the Warriors, is just how good the chemistry is between these two teams. Um, there is there's a lot of cult, there's great culture between these two teams, and I felt that's what led the Grizzlies to even have those comebacks, uh, even against the Timberwolves. Two 25 point comebacks in one game to have that kind of grit to come back in that kind of in that kind of game. I mean that's super important. Um, so I I don't think this Grizzlies team is afraid of getting down on anyone because they, they showed in that first round that they can come back and still fight back from any kind of lead. Um, so 
I, I like that kind of side of it too. Plus you have a worse defense in the Warriors team than this, than the Timberwolves are showing out there as well. I feel like that, that you can have, you can go both ways on it. Draymond green is going to be a solid, def- a solid defender on just about anyone he goes up against. The thing is that the Timberwolves had a lot more guys to throw at John Morant to stop him off like outside. I think that the Warriors probably have a better team defensive aspect to it to try to make a better game plan for him. But I think John Morant has a lot easier time trying to drive past anyone on this Warriors team than he did in that Timberwolves series. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors team defensively are second in defensive efficiency. Uh, so, I mean, they're pretty high up there, but I agree with you when it comes to who's guarding jaw. I like Gary Payton a second as the right. primary defender there. Um, I know he's been, you said he was being switched on uh, Bane quite a bit here in this game. Uh, I, I would like to see him on jaw as the primary defender. He actually started in game one, which I think is maybe what Steve Kerr's thinking just to get him used to playing a lot more in this series, which I think he'll be needed in. Um, and he's still out there in crunch time, I believe. So he's going to be relied on in the series. Um, and I'm totally there with you on the rebounding, Mitch. I think another advantage for the Grizzlies is the turnover battle. The Golden State Warriors have had a huge turnover problem all season, second to last in turnovers. Memphis is first in steals. Uh, they also, you know, don't, don't do a great job taking care of the ball. I saw they threw it out of bounds on an inbounds pass that nobody was even near the inbounder on uh, just randomly earlier in this fourth quarter. Um, so, you know, they're young, they're going to make mistakes, but if they're able to play gritty defense for some steals and the Warriors just play into that, that's, that's going to be another advantage that they could get out and run and really thrive and fast break that they often do. The other con for the Grizzlies is that they have Dylan Brooks. So that's just a big con in itself. So uh, when you have a guy who can be as inconsistent shooting and also just likes to play slightly too aggressive defense on guys and he can get in foul trouble, that's never going to help you out. Yeah, I think there are two guys in either team that really frustrate me and I never want to see play. Dylan Brooks isn't one of them, uh, but one guy in the Warriors is Otto Porter Jr. (laughs) He has been so bad (laughs) during the playoffs and he started good for them, I think, this year, but he has been really bad down the stretch. I I think there are so many guys off the bench they could throw in instead of him, but he has done nothing. I do not need to see him play again this series. I don't know what he adds. I really don't. He looks... Like Will Chamberlain's long lost grandchild, <laughs> um, but I don't know what he adds. I mean, he's so inconsistent shooting. He's too slow off the ball defensively to stay in front of any of these guys. I don't know why he's out. He's in the, out there right now with five minutes left in the fourth in a three point game. I don't. I don't know. You talk, Mitch. You got something to say? Well, I mean, the fact that Dylan Brooks just took a charge is is something miraculous on Steph Curry. So I I'll take that right now. I, I take back my Dylan Brooks comment. Um, but I mean, he's streak. He's streaky. I mean, that's how he's gonna make you scratch your head, but he's also gonna make you step out of your seat. So it's kind of like the the Jay Crowder effect. It's like the Marcus Smart effect. Oh, absolutely. What? All right. So, Aaron, your guy that you don't want to see play anymore is Otto Porter on the Warriors. Who's the guy on the on the Grizzlies you don't want to see? Well, I would say uh, Killian Tilly, as I did. Uh, he doesn't play uh, earlier in the season on my top five most frustrating list. But you're right, he doesn't play. Uh, I would probably say Kyle Anderson. The dude's just a freaking turtle out there. Like he is the slowest human I've ever seen. Be a professional athlete is ridiculous. Uh, over three today. Uh, have you met Yadier Molina? Have you met right, him? That's fair. All right, <laughs> slowest, slowest professional basketball player I've ever there seen in my life. Uh, 
just incredibly frustrating to watch. It's like, can you do a Euro in less than five seconds? That'd be great. Um, so he's, he's, I think he's my Grizzlies guy, but it's tough because if Killian Tilly's playing at all, like that's a lock. <laughs> yeah, but Killian Tilly is not playing for a reason. It's the same reason that uh, Nick Stauskas doesn't get in the game for the Celtics. It, it's, it goes both ways there. That's fair. All right, it's got to be Kyle Anderson then. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'll take that answer. Um, so you both have the Warriors winning in five. Yeah. I'll actually change it to six just because I realized that now the Warriors are going to be on the road in five. So they'll be back at home at six. I, I'm really impressed with the way the Grizzlies are playing in this game. Uh, specifically, we put it out on as a Hooper, Hooper's Almanac bet. The fact that the Grizzlies only had one day's rest between these two series is insane. Uh, I mean, that you series... Love, you love shitting on the NBA scheduling. It is just a, such a money grab, and it's so clear in these circumstances, and that's across the board with the leagues. But the fact they weren't... I mean, maybe there were some guys and their staff were pre- prepping for the Warriors, but... I don't think they expected to get out of, get out of that series until game seven. I mean, that was a hard fought series. They didn't really have a chance to breathe. Uh, and now maybe in the fourth quarter, the Warriors start to pull away, hopefully for us. Um, but I'm really impressed at how they're showing that resolve in, in game one. So I, I think they probably win two games in this series, but Warriors take it in six. I don't hate that. I, I think ultimately the Warriors do take it. How many games it takes, I'm not entirely sure, but it, I, I don't think it goes less than six games. I think this could go seven games between just how aggressive. Oh. I, I really do. I like this Grizzlies team a lot, and I'm very high on just how like aggressive they can be. It's not like the grit and grind uh, Grizzlies team, because I, I did see Zebo was at this game, and that made me very happy to just think about those old Grizzlies teams. But like, it's different than that, but they're just so malleable as well as they can go big and small with the Warriors when they need to. Plus, then the other thing is you're getting probably the best game of the entire like season from Jaron Jackson right now with just how well he's shooting. So how well we can keep that, hold, hold that over is going to be a totally different thing. Yeah, that's the thing for me is this shooting's not going to keep up. I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies aren't accustomed to shooting this many threes. Uh, and Jaron Jackson's not going to go six for eight again. John Morant's taking 11 threes. That's a lot. Uh, I mean, he's made four of them, which is fine, but uh, albeit bad game from Desmond Bain. So goes a little bit both ways and evens out. But I think over time, it's just a mathematical calculation, like threes versus twos, the Warriors are going to win. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we also basically what we all have, we have the Heat Celtics meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then we have the Warriors versus the uh, Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Um, we'll see if those we, – we should probably just maybe even bet that. I feel like that wouldn't be a bad thing to even bet, just that that, that, that quad uh, people making to the Conference Finals. It worries me that we're taking all favorites. Yeah, I don't I mean, think there's great value in that. Is the Bucks the, the live underdog at this point? Are, are they the most – the underdog that we're the most worried about? Yeah. Now the Celtics are plus 100 to win the series, by the way. So oh, if you want to jump on that live. I'll be texting uh, you in about 20 minutes to just hit that hit, hit that under hit that line for me. I was going to say, that's the other thing I've noticed is like, wait to see how a couple games go before, unless it's a super favorable line pre-series, like the Celtics were against the Nets. Like that was a steal. But other than that, typically a lot of the value is found mid-series. That was the case with the Mavericks last time, the case with the Suns last time. Uh, so I think we just got to wait and see how these series fold out for the heat. For example, why would you bet them right now when Joel Embiid is not played a single game? Once he oh. plays and they win a game, then they, the odds completely drop. 
Um, so the markets are a little bit crazy right now. You got to kind of wait and see how it goes. But Evan, do you think it's you think it's the Bucks then? How how worried are we that the Bucks actually beat the Celtics? Do we think that's a realistic? I mean, that's outcome? yeah, that's the most realistic underdog coming out on top. If you look at the rest of the board, I mean, you got the Sixers without Joel Embiid for at least a two games. I mean, who knows? He could be out three and four too. I mean, that's there's no definite timeline on his return. Um, you got the young Grizzlies team. I don't love. I don't love their chances uh, against, you know, the the veteran Warriors team with, with three rings. And then I would say, I, I would say, yeah, I mean, I would say the second closest underdog to, to, to coming out on top would be the Mavericks, but you guys already heard my son's spiel and how I think they'll come out in five. So yeah, I think the closest series is definitely going to be the Bucks and Celtics. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would be worried about the Bucks taking it in seven for sure. Yeah, that and that's the only series that I mean, outside of the Grizzlies Warrior series, that was the one I automatically already had at seven. So even before right the and started. yeah, and Draymond Green's been out this entire second half, so it's going to be hard to true to 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 see what we take from this game one, especially if the Grizzlies can can pull it out. Um, it's hard not to think about Draymond's um, impact, especially in the late game moments, orchestrating defense and offense. You know. For sure. Well, and then speaking on the Joel Embiid, uh, Embiid part of it all, as a man who's had an orbital fracture. Um, it, yes, Mitchell, give us your insight. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not more than three broken bones, then uh, I don't want to hear it. Uh, no, I, I'll say this. If it, it's just such, it will have so much of an impact on your face. I mean, it, it just. That's, uh, that is great medical analysis. <laughs> Aaron, did you hear that? Aaron is it, going to have an it's going to have impact on your face. Your fracturing orbital. your fa- fracturing your face will have such an impact on your face. Quote end quote. That's great. How did you Love how that. did you suffer an orbital fracture? Oh, Aaron, uh, baseball bat to the face uh, in eighth grade. Oh, that's brutal. Metal bat right to the face. It was a oh great my god. Kid let go so- the kid let go of his bat swing uh, back on the back swing and it came and drilled me in the face. On deck circle. On deck. Was great. Uh, Robert great. Deshu, I hate you to this day. Um, so you know exactly what it's like to be in Joel and beach shoes. Well, yeah, especially, you know, we were, <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were playing the same sport too, when it all happened. Um, so also, also Andrew Wiggins just hit two clutch free throws back to back. Yeah. So yeah. I, I we know got a, we, hate, we got a tie game here. We do. Yeah. Or am I behind? You're delayed. Yeah. Wiggins makes Damn both. I have it. I have it at one ten. I have it at one ten. One time. I'm behind. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you no are spoilers. I know we will not be spoiling for Aaron Carter, um, but that's kind of our that's that's our talk about the NBA playoffs. We will be right back with a little cereal and wait, hold on, Aaron, find what he want. Yes, uh, we talked about round two, but as we always do, Mitch, we have a guest on. We talk about our finals predictions. Uh, now yes. that we have round one in the books, Evan, I think who did you have? Heat Suns. Heat Suns was my was my pick from November. It was my pick from two weeks ago. It is my pick today on on May first. Wow, Heat! All right, I think they have the I, easiest first round matchup possibly, depending on how Embiid plays. Yeah, Mitch, I'm God. I'm sticking with my Celtic Suns, and it's 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 gone four different directions this entire year. So I I'm gonna say. Celtics Suns, I, I expect the adjustments to hit and hit well in game two for the Celtics. So, yeah. I think it's Celtics Suns too. Um, oh, wow. The East is tough, though. I could really see three teams making it out of the East. Yeah. I could, 
I mean, maybe in a Cinderella story, maybe the Mavs make it and there's a Booker injury to the Suns. But honestly, out West, I only see two. And really, I only see one. Right. I think we've seen the Suns warrior story a few times. Suns are just better, plain and simple. If they're both teams are at full strength, Suns beat them. Uh, I think the East is a crapshoot, though. Like if, if Giannis somehow supermans his way past the Celtics and then Chris Middleton's back, We've seen him sweep the Heat last year. I know the yep, Heat beat yep. the year before, but that's a very interesting matchup, and that's going to be – talk about a physical series. That would be an insane series. Yeah, this could be really – if the, and if the Celtics make it, it's going to be reminiscent of the bubble series too. It's just going to be a bunch of who's going to go off tonight kind of games. So mm-hmm. it'll be – Giannis could cement himself as a top 10 player of all time if he comes out of this playoffs on top. I was talking about – Hot this take. With, hot take. Or maybe hot not. Take. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, was, I, I here's I'll, I'll before Aaron goes here. I'll, I'll counteract it with uh, if he wins this Celtics series. Where do I have him on my list? Because I, I have him in the top at least thirty right now. I know I have him in the top thirty. If he wins, the, if he makes the Celtic, if he win, if he makes it to the NBA Finals, I'll move him in the top twenty-five, top twenty, top ten. The is, two. If he wins the finals, top top fifteen. Yeah, I don't know. I would but, just throw that out there. I haven't actually. I don't know. <laughs> what current day players do you have ahead of him? Current day players: Durant, Active. Durant, Curry, LeBron. Well, LeBron, of course. Put Russell him over Westbrook. Durant for me. Put him over Durant. Come on, Aaron. I'm sorry, Evan, but I'm I'm doing. No, I don't. I don't care. I'm doing a two way player. Who, who at this point, if he wins another ship, he'd be tied with Durant, right? Um, yeah. And being the, I mean, you, you know, Durant came into that situation. We know how close he was in Oklahoma City. Obviously, he has potential to win one here, but I think that's a tough debate. I mean, I was talking with Kaz about it today. This is a completely different story if Kevin Durant's foot is a little bit smaller or he's back a little bit farther on that line. Coach Bud is no longer the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. We're questioning if Giannis should have signed that extension, if he should leave this offseason. Obviously, now Chris Middleton gets hurt. Giannis can't do it alone. That's what they're going to be saying. So it's crazy how much how different the story is just because of the way things happened in that net series. So I think that's just an interesting thought experiment because now we're saying Giannis is locked to be top 15, top 20 all time. And if things would have gone differently, he's not even close to that. Yeah. I mean, do we have – Russell Westbrook ahead or behind Kevin Durant all time. <laughs> Evan, you want to know? So I text, I texted these guys this because again, things I do whenever I'm just bored. Uh, I made my top 10 all time list for each position. Russell Westbrook does make my number. Isn't my number 10 at, at all time point guard of all time. He has to be he for the listeners. For the time. listeners that don't know, I'm a, I'm a devout <laughs> Russell Westbrook apologist. So <laughs> Where where does Russell Westbrook end up this offseason? I have no idea. Hopefully <laughs> he doesn't, not the doesn't stay in LA, Hopefully. right? You would think not, but I don't know who wants to take his contract and if anybody wants to give up any assets for him. So who knows? Yeah, the only place I've heard was that Charlotte conversation, and that just seems so dumb to give up Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Offseason's a wild time. Anything can happen. Mitch, we might as well run your top 10 play, players list while we're here. Now that you mentioned it. Lightning well, well, speed, run through it. 
my top 10 all time no your positions then is that what you did oh yeah i did i mean you want me to run through all all five just run positions? through it run through oh, it and not, evan and i are going to shout out one thing that we disagree with right, on each okay. position point guards okay point guards uh top top 10 is uh magic steph isaiah chris paul john stockton oscar jason kidd steve steve nash walt frazier russell westbrook that's that's my that's my point guards where was steph again Steph was number two. Only behind Magic? Correct. And in front of? And in front of uh, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, that's tough. No no Bob Cousy love? No Bob Cousy love. Bob Cousy, was, <laughs> Bob Cousy didn't shoot. Couldn't dribble 40. with his left hand. <laughs> and couldn't shoot over 40% in the season. So that's my, my other thing. Uh, shooting guards, Mike, Kobe, Dwayne, Allen Iverson, Clyde Drexler, James Harden, George Gervin, Ray Allen, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady. Vince Ray Carter. Allen. Ray Allen's definitely a top 10 shooting guard of all time. Wow. Vince Carter okay. and Tracy McGrady shouldn't be top 10. You look at the shooting guard list. Reggie Miller was the only other guy I was considering putting up there. I think I'd Who? put Reggie Miller in front of Tracy McGrady. Ooh. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Who was – you said who was Mike at number one? Michael Jordan, you did this. <laughs> All right, small forwards, LeBron, Larry Bird, Kevin Durant, Julius Irving, Elgin Baylor, Scottie Pippen, Kawhi Leonard, John Havlicek, Rick Barry, Carmelo Anthony. Kawhi Leonard, that's high. Number seven? I don't know. He's He and, he and Scottie Pippen are right there next to each other, which is how two-way they are on both sides of the ball. Melo should be above Rick Barry. Melo could not move the ball as well as Rick Barry did. All right, that's fair. He shot free throws normally, though. That's a, <laughs> yeah, Rick huge. Barry. Also, that's huge. Rick that's Barry a, also a had a better point. free throw percentage. I don't want to hear it. Rick aesthetics ma- aesthetics matter. <laughs> All right, Shaq. Um, okay, uh, top 10 power forwards. Tim Duncan, Carl Malone, Kevin Garnett, Giannis, Dirk, Bob Pettit, Charles Barkley, Anthony Davis, Kevin McHale, Pau Gasol. Pau Gasol, wow. What about – do you have Dirk on there? Yeah, he's number five. He's number five. He's behind Giannis in front of Bob Pettit. And in front of KG? KG's number three. KG and Giannis are like that line I divide. Like, that's kind of the line I divide it all. Yeah, I mean, I have Giannis over Durant. That's my switch. But KD isn't even on the that list. It's that's like KG. Oh, I thought you said KD was four. KD is three on my small forward list. Small forward list. Okay, got it. Uh, and then centers, Kareem, Russell, O'Neal, Wilt, Hakeem, Moses Malone, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Wes Unseld, Robert Parrish. There we go. No love for Nene. Nene doesn't even crack <laughs> top 50. I don't want to hear it. Um, anyways, so there's that list. We, um, we can go, we'll, we'll go We'll go more. Aaron and I will probably go more in depth in those lists probably later on this summer, as well yep. as my like top – I mean, I'll have my top 100 list ready for the people sometime this summer. We won't go through it all in one podcast. We'll break that up in bits and pieces. But um, Clay yeah. Thompson for the lead, and it goes with Aaron. 36 seconds left. The Warriors are up by one. All right, we got to stay on live while this is happening. Well, yeah, absolutely, because it's 11 seconds left now on my side of things, and we got the Warriors up one. Oh, God, you're way ahead of me. I'm so sorry. Oh, let's go. Warriors got a turnover? Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, it was a block. So not technically. Oh, no. Please don't shoot at Andrew Wiggins. 
All right, so we're getting Jordan. Jordan pulled the line with 11 seconds left. I like that. Up one. They need to cover two. That's very doable. Evan, I hate to tell you something right now. Oh, I've been muted, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) Muted for a hot minute here. That's on me, guys. That's on Big Evo. (laughs) (laughs) See, here's the thing. Like, I don't hate that take by Morant, though. Like, he goes in there to get fouled. That's this thing. He goes in there to try to get get a foul called, and it just didn't happen. Yeah. That, that's this is the thing with the Grizzlies that we mentioned is their late clock scenarios. They don't have a lot going on. Like in the Minnesota Memphis series in Game Six, Carl Anthony Towns take a thirty-five footer, and then John Morant dribbles it up slowly, dribbles it twice, crossover thirty-five footer. Like there's not a whole lot of ball movement. It's basically jaw create, drive to the rack, either shoot it or find somebody else open. Which he's one of the best players in the NBA, but. You saw the Warriors ran that great pick and pick and pop with uh, Clay Thompson and just pop, think wide open three. Uh, so I think we're going to see that a lot play an advantage for the Warriors as well. Well, yeah, now the Warriors had the best free throw shooter in the league this year go to the line in Jordan Poole. So where I mean, and not Steph Curry, who shot 77% from the line in round one. <laughs> that was crazy. That was a crazy stat. Yeah. They were, they were like, putting him there on technical fouls and stuff. And the announcers were like, you got to put pool out there. <laughs> yeah, really? Uh, but obviously it didn't matter. Also update. I did not have Giannis on my top 25 list. I will say that. Wow. Well, also changes... other update. The Warriors were not in the bonus. So now Clay Thompson's going to the line or not. He's getting trapped. Now yeah, he's going to the line. Out. Six, seven slot. Clay Thompson going to the line. Okay. Why, why did they not just like foul? Like, I'm not sure what that whole tactic was. When you're in the front court, that makes no sense. I'm just seeing it now for some reason in Chicago. Oh, I see. They, they're trying to get a trap there. I know, but like you, he already catches the ball. I feel like it, it works a lot better when it's in the back court, the front court. I just don't like that. Yeah. But And Jaws somehow wondering how they fouled him, even though they were intentionally fouling him. One thing I want to rant about, Whenever there's a jump ball, why does it take 30 seconds to get set on every single jump ball that's not in the middle of the floor? Great question. Great question. And Clay they Thompson need to fix something. His, Clay Thompson missed the first free throw. Oh, my God. Well, they're going to push. <laughs> Unless we go to overtime. Unless we go to overtime. We almost like that idea a lot. All right. Well, just tell me if he makes it because I'm just – I'm just in a different country right now. Apparently. I mean, you are just in a whole different hemisphere. Um, and he missed. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it is no one has a ball. No one has a call here. No one has a call here. It is we're calling Grizzlies ball, but we're going to have a review. Oh, my God. Wait, who are we calling the ball with? How does he miss both free throws? Clay Thompson, not clutch. Is, is that what we're saying out here? Evan, I hate to tell you this again. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm still muted, by the way. That's why you guys couldn't hear me. <laughs> I am all over the place. I was totally thrown off guard from this live coverage that we're doing. <laughs> well, it's a, we're doing jump ball. Five seconds left in the game. Jump right, here we ball. go. It's taking yeah. them forever to get set up, Aaron. 
<laughs> that was very uh, Coach Stratumus of me to, to say that right away. Who that was? That was huge. Oh, I think that's off on Clark. They're calling jump Doesn't ball. Matter. All right. If Warriors win this, this is going to be huge for the cover. Also, if the Grizzlies win this, this is not going to be huge for the HA, HA bets. No, that's dead. Yeah, if they, if they win the tip. Are and we four? Oh, just lose the damn game. We're four two though, right? Four and two in the playoffs. Yes. Okay. Sounds solid. Good. They took out Curry. Grizzlies win the tip. And call call timeout. timeout. Oh my gosh, that is brutal for the HA. All right, so we saw the end of the game and the John Morant layup. Oh. I mean, it just hurts. Hooper's on my neck. Lost his bet. We're not happy about it. But the other thing is, why is that the play call? When that's your when your best player is the guy who just dr- is just like a drive. Oh, Draymond's just out here hugging everyone. And Clay's celebrating after missing two f- freaking free throws. What a what oh, beyond frustrating. Oh well. Well, Warriors won game one. Right Warriors win game one on the road. I mean, they should have won that a lot more convincingly than they did. Shout out to the Grizzlies for playing that well on one day's rest in a new series. That is absolutely insane. Uh, but the Warriors down the stretch just didn't execute, had a chance to win comfortably even at a couple times. So that's tough. I think this is going to be a good series, Mitch. I don't think it's going to go seven, but great showing from Memphis. Absolutely. All right. Well, we thank Evan for coming on. It was great to have him on just to talk about playoffs. We're going to actually have him on for like every other week when it comes to just the playoffs. So it'll be good to have him on, especially when we get to the conference finals as well. Uh, Aaron and I are going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a little cereal and Bruce. We're back, and Aaron's just in pain. If if I was in pain about the Celtics loss, Aaron's in pain because he lost money tonight. So that's just what happened there. Should have taken the money line. Just just knew I should have. Should have, would have, could have. That's where we're at right now with that. Um, so. We had we we didn't do cereal brews last week, um, but last weekend Aaron was in the good old Troy, Missouri. Uh, he was near me, but not near enough to uh, make the adventure out to me because Lord knows no one wants to make their adventure out to Troy, Missouri. Um, so, but Aaron, tell us about your good old weekend with celebrating Allie's birthday as well as just being having a, tr- a tri couple weekend. It, yeah, it was a great it was a great time. It was one couple member short of a tri couple. The boyfriend of Mackenzie, who's one of Allie's friends, was not there. Oh, brutal. Got in a fight pre driving over, and I guess just opted out. So yeah. must have been pretty serious. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, it was good anyways. We Madison, as you know, loves to create her own games. So we played Madison bags, which I think you've played before. Basically, just throwing different items and different hoops there oh, yeah so we had like a pair of socks we had a lime we had a pen and a bunch of random different things that we were throwing it in uh so that was a great time we also played this other game that we don't know if we named but it's basically like a scavenger hunt on ster- steroids and then we had challenges for each thing that you found mm. it was great it was a good time so we came up with a lot of creative things to do played some games had some good fun uh troy missouri was very normal missouri town but the cabin was very nice uh so yeah it was a great time overall love to hear it man well especially just 
you never know what you're getting yourself into when you're just going like out on a weekend with like some people. I mean, I, I know you have met Mackenzie, but you don't know her all that well. So I don't think I've met her before, actually. She came to our sophomore year uh, Halloween party. Yeah, I don't remember that. That's fair. You do not remember that evening. Uh, you were downstairs for a total of five minutes that 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 day, I feel like. That yeah. night. <laughs> there, was a, there was another Mackenzie I was a bit uh, occupied with at that time and not in a positive way. No, that, no. Someone was spraying Lysol at your face and we wanted to, I wanted to throw it through a window, but that's for another time. Yeah, not great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, anyway, so I, I'm happy you had fun, though. It, it can just be so it is. I also am happy that the uh, the boyfriend didn't come because then you would have had to deal with some awkward fighting all weekend. I feel like it's very true. No, it was peaceful. Um, lots of good drinking, lots of good food. Watched oh, a good amount of basketball. So, yeah, all, all in all, it was great. Um, but that wasn't the only thing happening that weekend. That was the weekend you moved into your new apartment. Uh I see the new background. The wall is blank, but I'm seeing a few lamps and a few different things here and there. How is the new apartment and how was the move in? Move in process was super smooth for me. Um, and honestly, it was, it was, I mean, honestly, I like the apartment so far. It cuts my drive in half to work, which is always great. I'm like literally 20 minutes from everything I need right now. Like we, I drove all the way out to Kirkwood yesterday to go see my uncle Eric. And like, there's a 20 minute drive out there when it's usually like a 35 minute drive from my house. So hop on 270 to 40 or hop on 270 to 70. And just so it's easy just to get anywhere from here. Um, however, my roommate Morgan, uh, it took her, I think they are her parents, like her and her parents and family got here on like four o'clock and they weren't done moving into like about 10 o'clock that night. It oh was my goodness. There was like some switching of bed frames and mattresses because someone did bought a too big of a bed frame and someone else was pissed about it. And so I, I, I don't remember who was who at the, at the time right now, but it was just a whole, a whole ordeal. Um, we didn't have a washer or dryer that first night. It's not like we needed it, but like they had to go digging into a uh, storage unit. Like Morgan's grandpa was giving us a washer and dryer. The washer was from the 2010s. So it was an updated one. The dryer was something prehistoric. Um, had to, had to be from the dinosaur age. Um, like it, I, I would rather have had the washboard and <laughs> like kind of thing going on. Uh, the thing, yeah, it was, and it didn't work. It, it it needed gas to work. It didn't just need electricity. So it was a whole ordeal. So had it ended up throwing that bad boy out and the went on Facebook Marketplace and got a new one there, but. Yeah, the apartment's great. Honestly, it's nothing like too crazy big or anything. It's not like our Aspen places at all, um, but it does the trick, and I'm I'm happy with how it's gone so far. So yeah, it's it's gone well, and plus it's, it's a nice place. So Evan came over Tuesday, and we went to the Cardinal game that night. So it was just easy. I can come back from work and then go back downtown and not feel like it's a it's a drag. Yeah, totally. Uh, but it was a little easier moving in without a boot this time. I know that's the last time you were moving in, except if you count back to your, back to your home um, in St. Charles. But uh, yeah, I bet that was a bit easier for you. I'm excited to visit. You'll have to give me a virtual tour. I don't think I've seen any photos or anything like that. So you have to send me a video after this. We'll do. We'll do. Yeah. And the other thing that happened this week, Mitchell joined his company's uh, sand volleyball team. Um, for those who don't know, oh boy, last time Mitchell played sand volleyball, he definitely tore his ACL. That's what confirmed the tour, the tear in the ACL. So we're, I'm, I don't know. I knew one guy that was on the team. And so like he invited me to play and I was like, sure, I'll play. And I got to meet a bunch of great people. They're awesome. Um, 
we all had like four shots before the games even started. So it was a, it was a great time. Bar 101, great sand volleyball time. Um, but four points, four points into the into the first game. I'm diving for a ball and I I, I get it up. I, I, I bump it up and we get a spike out of it. It was awesome. And all of a sudden I looked down at my knee and I have a, a whole scraped up knee on my left knee from diving in sand. I'm like, how does this happen? How am I bleeding in five minutes into the stupid sand volleyball game? And of course, it's on my bad knee too. So I was just like, great, love that. But oh my God, there were no tweaks. Like rock sand? Like, is this like some like Boston beach? I'm like, what's going on? Well, I will say it did rain that night, so maybe like the sand was hard from that. If that makes any sense. Um, but yeah, uh, we won. We won our first game. Well, we're two and zero. I missed the first game, but we're two and zero in our matches so far this year. Um, we also have a B team, which likes to get drunk while we play our first game. And so nice. some of us play, some of us play both ways and they're zero and two so far this year. So, <laughs> so, um, the, the fun team is the absolute, like, like apparently in last week when they played, like a guy was five shots in and like two drinks and two beers in, and he does not look like a heavyweight at all. So he was just laughing the entire time on the, on the court, apparently. So I'm, oh God. I'm, I'm glad I didn't play that game. So uh, but yeah, so far it's been fun. Uh, we have, and they, I think this week's game is at like a 10 15 on Thursday night. So it'll be a late night for me. Both of us are in a couple of rec leagues. Yeah. And it's some late games. Love it. Absolutely. How's, how's basketball going? Good. Undefeated. I think we're four and zero. Um, we had two weeks off here, two bye weeks. One was some church event. We played at that church, as I told you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other was just a normal week off in the schedule. So we don't play this coming Monday. Didn't play last Monday, but we play two Mondays from now. Uh, so yeah, it's going really well. Our team's awesome. I just learned that our best player is moving to New York at some point. I don't know if it's going to happen during the season. I'm sure he's not taking that into account, oh, wow. um, but that's not going to be great. So we're going to have to figure out how to score without him. Uh, but other than that, right now we're doing really great. So we got to just capitalize the momentum we have now. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you're gonna be losing your best player right for the playoffs. It's gonna be. I, I can feel it happening. Yeah. You're gonna lose him like that last game before the end of the season, and then you're gonna have to figure it out on the fly. It's like if the Bucks lost Giannis, and they're trying to play the Celtics. Except that sounds miserable. We, we we may not be playing the Celtics, but it's just <laughs> akin to that. He's not an athletic freak, but he's as important to our team as Giannis is. So gotcha. that'd be cool. That'd be really cool if he just left for New York during this. That'd be very nice for our team. Sounds like Donovan Mitchell trying to get out of Utah. So it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> well, we're not trying to get out of your uh, Spotify uh, playlist, though. So whenever you guys are listening to us, we appreciate you listening on Spotify. Um, I found the bootleg. It's no longer existing. It, it, it has been taken off the internet. Um, but we also appreciate you guys just following us on Twitter at Hooper's Almanac. Um, we will be posting just some videos from this, uh, this episode as well. Uh, we appreciate everything you guys do for us uh, when it comes to our community. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at uh, to our email at hoopers.almanac at gmail.com. I uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, Celtics, bounce back in game two on Tuesday. Why don't you?